Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ike Taylor. What's up, Mark? My bad, bro. My mom, she uh, in the kitchen cooking. That's what we usually do this, this podcast as. So she in the kitchen cooking and she talking loud. So I, sooner or later, I got to be like, Mark, you got to be quiet at least for an hour. She making you any good food, though? That's the real question. Yeah, breakfast food. I'm a breakfast head. I can eat breakfast, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for breakfast. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge egg guy myself. You get me uh, steak and eggs, and then you get the, the egg yolk you can dip in, the toast or the English muffin, maybe a little side of bacon, too. I'm there. Well, you know, I don't eat meat, so for me, it would be eggs and uh, eggs and fish, eggs and salad, but as far as, like, steak or pork, I don't eat meat. Gotcha. We'll get you some avocado toast, Ike. I appreciate that. I can, I, can, I can eat that all day. On today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast, we discuss horrible hot takes now that we're into the NFL offseason. But we're going to start today's episode. The Miles Garrett-Mason-Rudolph feud continues. And yesterday, Steelers coach Mike Tomlin appeared on ESPN's first take to refute a lot of the claims that Garrett made on ESPN's Outside the Lines. Ike, what was your takeaway from seeing your former head coach appear yesterday on first take? Well, for Coach T to actually get on TV, you know, it kind of cleared the air. Um, you know, Coach Tomlin, he just want to do football. You know, he want to take care of his guys in that locker room. He wants to – he just wants to be a football guy. You know, he wants to go through the process. He wants to draft. He wants to win championships. That's all Coach T1. He's, a, he's just a football guy. You know, he's a, a version of Coach Bill Belichick, just kind of like a, a, a different version. He's more of a player's coach. So for Coach T to get on air and to talk and discuss about Mason Rudolph's situation, uh, for me, it was like he's fed up, you know. So for Coach T to do that, Coach T like, look, man, this is how I feel. For Coach T to get on air, I feel like he did a thorough investigation. Um, I'm sure he drilled – Mason Rudolph, just to make sure Mason wouldn't make him look bad in the long run. So for Coach T to do that, you know, first of all, as a player, it's, that's a beautiful thing to see. You know, for your coach to be 100% behind you, it just gives the locker room and you a sense, a different sense of confidence. You know, for for the head guy to have your back means a lot to you. You know, that's, that's a ride-or-die coach. But at the same time, just, you know, coaches speaking from, himself, his, his players and the organization. Like this, this something we, I'm not gonna say it's petty, but we only here for one thing. Um, and this organization been winning rings, Super Bowl rings before me. Um, it's one, it's one, one with me. And that's, that's one of my goals. And I'm gonna make sure my locker is straight and it's gonna start with me. So it was different saying Coach T on TV cause that's something Coach T you don't do, you know? And Ike, there was a lot we disagreed about, about the November 14th brawl between the Steelers and the Browns. And if you want the instant reaction breakdown, I'd advise any of the listeners and encourage them to go listen to the podcast. It's entitled Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph Fight Overshadows Steelers Loss. So you can find that there wherever you get your podcast. The reason why this is all resurfacing is last week, the NFL decided to reinstate Browns defensive end Miles Garrett. He then agrees to do an interview with Mina Kimes on ESPN's Outside the Lines. A one-on-one -on -one interview is fine, but not to present the Steelers' side or Mason Rudolph's side at all. Maybe not in the one-on-one -on -one piece that Mina Kimes did, but in the panel after coming out of that, it's called a package in the TV industry. As someone who's worked in the TV journalism industry for nearly 10 years, this panel after the fact on ESPN's Outside the Lines almost took Miles Garrett's accusations 
as mere fact that Mason Rudolph used a racial slur. And that's where I have a big problem because the NFL, the Steelers, none of the other players go along with Garrett's accusation or have been able to find evidence of Garrett's accusation. And Garrett, during the interview, even inferred that the NFL was burying the audio that Mason Rudolph allegedly used a racial slur. And so that's the big problem that I have just as a journalist is you've got to present all sides to the argument. Garrett doubles down. And really, to me, we're at the same spot that we were a few months back, even in the immediate aftermath of the brawl. And I think one question that still goes unanswered with Garrett is why didn't Garrett or any of the other players or any members of either organization mention this to the media members immediately after the Thursday night football game in November? And the fact that ESPN did not ask Garrett that question is just perplexing to me. Yeah. I mean, like Grandma, like Grandma used to always say, there's three sides to the story, uh, mine, yours, and the truth. So for that to happen that way to get one-sided, you know, it's, it's, it's not fair. And really, to be honest with you, Mark, this story just needs to be a wash because it's going to be he said, she said, or he said, he said. You know what I'm saying? So it's going to be my word versus your word. Uh, it's the reason why the NFL stopped stop, uh, just like holding and, and, and micing guys up for a certain extent because I don't know if you remember Twain Sam Donner when he was <laughs> in that game when he said he was seeing ghosts. So, I mean, it's good for the fans to, to sometimes hear and, and, and see our response during the heat, of the heat of the moment. But at the same time, for the NFL, you don't want one of your future stars <laughs> to be saying he's seeing ghosts. So they're going to have, yeah, they're going to have a cap to that mic. You know, as soon as they feel like, you know, the pressure's getting hot, they're going to put a cap to the mic. They're going to shut it off. I think at a certain time, they're going to shut the mic off, whether you're on the sideline or, or just mic up guys who they think might be available to, to I won't I won't say to be political, so say, on the mic, you know, your JJ Watts, um, your veteran guys, your, your your Big Ben's. Even if Big Ben was seeing ghosts, he's not gonna say I see ghosts, you know. Uh, he he's gonna use a different terminology. Uh, I think they're they're gonna get more veteran guys to kind of get mic'd up. Who who gonna know what to say in the heat of the moment uh, when the pressure. When the, when we what we call pressure, they they don't call pressure. So, but for just you know for ESPN and and, and Miles Garrett to get one sided, you know, as a reporter, you know, reporters they just want to report. So I get it. But at the same time, you got to have some kind of facts when you're reporting. Um, all you see nowadays is breaking news or the first to report. You know, so that's that's how these you know companies look at it. But when you deal with facts and you just be authentic and genuine, um, you're not looking to be the first. You're looking to put your name behind something, a stamp of approval. So, but at the same time, man, it's just, um, I think Coach T came out with it. He was upset between Miles Garrett and what he's saying. I mean, that's, Miles is still standing by his word. He said, you know, Mason um, gave him a racial slur. Like that's, Mason Rudolph gave him a racial slur. And he hasn't backed down from his statement. So, but at this point in time, you know, they reinstated him. Um, he's still a first rounder. Uh, his career looks good. So it's hard uh, not to reinstate him. What we saw on national TV, for us as players, we do that all the time in training camp. And when it comes down to training camp, we fight each other. Helmets getting took off, nose get broke, teeth get chipped. But it, it, it was just seen on a national level on a televised level, which is hard, you know, for a lot of people to kind of soak in and see, let alone it was a quarterback. Usually with the guys who fight in offense, defense, linemen, receivers, corners, linebackers, running backs, usually you don't mess with your quarterback. You leave the quarterback alone. So for a quarterback to get in that kind of situation, I get why the NFL had to do what they had to do. But at the same time, Mason got to understand, I've never seen a quarterback fight ever in the NFL. I've never seen a quarterback, ever seen a quarterback fight. The quarterback is the CEO. 
You know, you are the prince, you are the king. Like you're the president, your bodyguards, <laughs> your bodyguards are offense alignment. And if you're cool with anybody on defense, you got people on defense who back you up. So really you can't do no wrong because we understand the pressure that comes with quarterback. So to see Mason kind of hit his light switch too, you know, I think now he understand like, you know, if I'm ever in that situation again, I just got to let these five guys in front of me take care of the situation. And credit to ESPN's first take for having Coach Tomlin on to get that other side of the story. When it first came out, the Garrett one-on-one over the weekend on Outside the Lines, Outside the Lines has been known to do some great journalistic, in-depth investigations and great work. But it was almost as if, because they only got one side of the story, that they were hiding behind the guise of that brand and the guise of journalism. And that's where I had the problem. And so I do think ESPN corrected that by having Coach Tomlin on on Monday with Stephen A. and Max Kellerman. Now, this is what people are going to attach with Mason Rudolph really for the rest of his career because he's had a little bit of success as a backup, but he's struggled at times. You said it earlier, Ike. I'll go back to something you said with Garrett. Garrett, at the time of his, of his suspension, when he missed the final six games of the regular season, he had 10 sacks in 10 games, former number one overall pick. We're talking about a guy who has the potential to be a defensive player of the year candidate. He's, he's that talented. He's that good of a player. But we have to get out of a world where we equate words and actions being the same things. And I don't want to go too far into hypotheticals, but we're talking about you know, possible, a possible assault, or if the helmet lands the right way. And I hate, to, I hate to go into the hypotheticals, but a lot of times that's how a manslaughter or a murder happens is things escalate because of words. And I think we need to focus on the actions and what happens. I think the NFL handled this whole situation extremely well in terms of the suspensions and the fines levied to the players and everything. But I will say this, and I'll leave this here. Kudos to the First Take crew and their producers for bringing Coach Tomlin on to present the Steelers' side of all of this. And like you said too, Ike, there are multiple sides of stories, and they did not do that initially this weekend with the one-on-one interview with Miles Garrett. Yeah, that's why I feel like they had to get get it right. So that's why they bought Coach T on. I mean, and you're bringing us – a well-seasoned, highly educated man on the show. You know, this ain't no he said, she said. If outside the lines, would it came out with the actual sound on Mason Rudolph saying it? Now we now now we good. Okay, now now we good. Now we talking. But for them to go to that extent, knowing all the good work they do day in and day out. Cause I even tune in sometimes because they have some interesting stories and usually for the most part, them stories be factual, even if that's a word, but you can tell they go in depth and you're like, Oh, okay. These people (laughs) are very detailed when it comes down to story. So for this story right here, I'm glad ESPN did get it right about getting coach T on board and having a, having a man who, you know, is very detailed, who's, very presentable, who's very knowledgeable and really ain't going to say nothing if it's not facts. So they got it right. Um, You know, we all mess up, but I'm glad they did get it right by bringing, you know, the Steelers. You got the Browns point of view. Now you bring, you know, a representation from Coach T and the Steelers point of view, which I think was a good thing. Mike Tomlin doesn't pull any punches. And I do want to just clarify for the listeners audio of the brawl does not exist so if that were to eventually leak out of some sort that would be new information to this point you know Tuesday February the 18th the morning of that audio does not exist the league has refuted Garrett's allegations that that audio is somewhere to our knowledge at this point that audio does not exist Ike, I do want to move to something 
Coach Tomlin also said in the interview, and he was talking about your former teammate, wide receiver Antonio Brown. He said, once a stealer, always a stealer. But he was talking more about his character and how Brown is trying to restore his image. Another quote that Tomlin had, he says, we have no current business interest at this time. And just having listened to Coach Tomlin over the years to me, this is 101 of, you know, we wish Antonio Brown the best, but we don't really plan on bringing him back to be a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. That dark hole is a mother. And I'm talking about that dark hole for A.B. Um, I think A.B. is finally realizing <laughs> Jerry Rice, Terrell Owens, Randy Moss. A lot of these guys came before you, and a lot of those guys going to come right after you as well. So, yeah, A.B., as talented as you are, as fun as you is to watch, this game going to be good with or without you forever. You know, and A.B., I think A.B. finally starting to see that. Um, Coach T said it right. Once you are still, always a stiller. That's just the brotherhood it is to be a stiller. But, you know, sometimes you got to wash your hands with your family. You know, sometimes your family can be the worst trailer. So, say, since we like talking about trucks and trailers, Sometimes your family member can be the worst, can be the trailer, the heaviest trailer, you know. Um, as much as you want to help people, sometimes people don't want to be helped. And sometimes, you know, it's just like having a relationship. You know, you can only do that woman bad for so long. And once she get fed up, she gone and, and there's no coming back. Like, and that's how it is with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, I'm always love you, A.B., but we're laying on coming back. The damage is too far done. So that's all Coach T really meant. Like, dang, you, we're going to always uh, have memories on what you did for the nine seasons you was with us, but the damage was too much, you know. And I, and I think at some point in time, I think the damage, you know, was kind of self-inflicted. Uh, you know, just letting A.B. Get, get away with a lot of stuff, just looking at it from a distance. You know, once you feed that monster, that monster grow into a beast. Once that monster grow into a beast, that monster feel like, that beast feel like it's invincible. So, but at the same time, I think A.B. just kind of, you know, getting out the, getting out of outer space and coming back down to earth. And coming back down to earth, boy, you really got to walk past a lot of people when you come back down to earth. You know what I'm saying? When you're in outer space, you're, you're on a mountaintop. You're on your own. It's, it's a, you're just looking down at a lot of people. But now, you know, that you got to walk back down to earth, you're passing up a lot of people that you misused or said things about, too. So I think it'd be finally coming to the realization. Let's see if it's sincere on his apologies, you know, but that's a start. Yeah, and it's – you like to see that. I mean, he apologized to the Steelers. He apologized to Big Ben. It'll take some time. It'll take some time. Ike, I want to go back to something you said and ask you about, and maybe not specifically with AB, just with players in general. When you say getting away with stuff, when you're as, as talented as someone like Antonio Brown is, what exactly does that mean in terms of what a, a star player might try to push the limits with a coach or his teammates? What specifically are you talking about with getting away with? What, what does that mean? What I mean, getting away with stuff, the locker room isn't fair. The situation ain't going to be fair. Ike, I got a lot of, I got money tied into you, Ike, from an organizational standpoint. And it's going to hurt my cap if I cut you this year. But, Ike, if you get in trouble downtown, I got to find you. I got I to gotta deal with it. A, a free agent, cornerback, you get in trouble downtown, I have really nothing invested in you, don't come back to the facility, you're cut. That's what I mean by getting away. Like, it's, it's, it's not fair, but that's just how the NFL is. Now, me knowing that, sure, I can try to bend the rules all I want to now. So now I know the money is invested in me, and I can't be a cap casualty, you got to hold me. I might be late for a few meetings. I might show up dressed in a, not inappropriate, but 
dressed in a way like that. Everybody looking at me like, damn, you couldn't dress like everybody else? Like everybody else got team issued on. You couldn't put the team issued on? I might get flipped by the mouth. I might curse a few people out. That's, that's breaking and extending the rules and just kind of, you know what you can and can't do, taking it to a whole nother level. You know, that's why I say it's not fair for a lot of people. And usually when it's not fair, it's cap related. You know, usually guys get away with a lot of stuff because you're good, you're hurt my cap if I cut you, I need you right now, but it's gonna come to a point where what you're doing, I'm gonna get fed up unless you're going. Coach T always been clear about that. I'll put up with a lot until I feel like I can't no more, and I'm gonna let you go. So, and I think that just got to to the point where AB like, AB done done so much to what Coach T and the organization was like, man, we just got to chop. I had the same. I had I had a lot of power. And I think Joey Porter tell you this. Joey Porter was Coach Tom, me and Coach Cowers guy. You know, anytime Coach wanted to relay the message to the locker room, Joey couldn't do no wrong. Joey was the head guy in that locker room, but that was Coach Cowers guy. Joey didn't abuse his power at all. He kind of made the team that team camaraderie kind of team. You know, from taking care of the janitor to the men and women who was in the cafeteria, that was Joey. Like, Joey got along with everybody, so everybody else had to get along with everybody as well. And then when you finally find out, like, man, when you take care of everybody in the building, man, we're going to win, we're going to eat. Like, bam, there you go. For me, that was, I was Coach Tomlin's guy. Like, Coach T, <laughs> I couldn't do no wrong with Coach T. And for me, I didn't do any wrong with Coach T. I didn't abuse the power that he gave me. It's it's a trust, it's, it's a bond with Coach Tomlin and I. It's a lot of stuff I can't even talk about. But for that's why I think Coach Tomlin, Coach Tomlin look at me um, more like a little brother than one of his players, so say. He gave me a long ass leash, Mark, a long, and, and damn near for the most part of my career when I was with Coach T, he took the leash off, you know, off and on the field. But um, he knew I wouldn't abuse it. So how do you establish that rapport with a coach? It's just it's every coach got that guy. And for the most part, you know, I was that guy for Coach T. You know, I, I, was, I, was, I was that guy. Like, I always, you know, my uncle used to say all the time, I'll cut the middle man out, go to the head guy. The middle man gonna get mad, but I always go to the head guy. So anytime I had an issue, I always went with Coach T. I was always honest, um, whether it was off or on the field, I just told him how I felt. And you know, Coach T just being the defensive back coach, you know, in Tampa, um, he kind of had a soft spot for his DBs. You know what I'm saying? So as soon as Coach Townley got hired, I got a call from the facility um, on the first day. And I was like, Coach T, what's up? He was like, how you knew this was me? I said, nobody called me from this number. So I was just guessing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> nobody called me from this 412-432-3200 number. And nobody called me. And he was like, damn. And we just kind of started it from there. So, you know, it's unfortunate enough I didn't abuse the power Coach T gave me. I understood that coming from Coach Cowan, Joey Porter, Peasy, we call him Peasy. He he never abused it. Like he made, really, he made that locker room the way that locker room was the time we was winning, and it was all brother. Like we competed, we fought, and we competed with each other, <laughs> damn near every day. But as far as like taking care of each other, that's exactly what we did. So um, that's what I'm saying with AB. You know, just not abusing the power that you're given. You know, do something good with it, make it weak. You know, and I tell people that this all the time, you start making it weak, everybody eat, you know. Antoine Rundell after the Super Bowl, Antoine Rundell got a fire contract. He was third receiver. <laughs> third receiver getting a, you know, a $30 million contract, the third receiver, the third receiver. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's crazy, but everybody wants to be around the winner. Even our six round draft pick, defensive tackle, Rodney. 
he went to Ohio State, man. He wound up going to Arizona, getting him a nice contract. People just want to be around winners. But we understood, you know, as a whole um, in that locker room, when you win, everybody, everybody eats. Um, people just want to be a part of winners, you know. Um, even guys from my front office were getting GM jobs. Two guys from my front office were getting GM jobs. Like, what the hell y'all doing over there? Y'all done been, a, you know, three Super Bowls in five years. What's going on? Like, people, people want to see that. You know, they want to understand what the hell y'all got going on. And it's just something you just can't replicate. You can't replicate finding and drafting good guys who don't care about them. They care about others more than they care about them. You can't, you, you, you can't go into a draft looking for that. You know, that's just got to be that person, personality. Let me backtrack a little bit here. You said you'd have former players show up and, you know, maybe not team-issued gear. You remember a few years ago on Hard Knocks, Vince Wilfork shows up in overalls, big, beefy defensive lineman. Any of your Steelers teammates ever roll in just with just something ridiculous like that? No, you know what? You know, I'm a croc. I like my crocs uh, really because of my son. And Sean Murray, I don't know if you remember Sean Murray. He was a special teams demon for us. Sean Murray. Played for Philadelphia as well. Sean Murray was the first guy when he was playing with us in 2004 to bring Crocs to that locker room. He gave everybody Crocs in 2004. He gave <laughs> everybody you, Crocs. I saw your publicist giving you crap for it at the Super Bowl this year. Right, which I don't care. <laughs> he gave everybody Crocs, and it was more like shower shoes. You know, so Casey Hampton, you know, uh, our big D tackle, big Hamp, he uh, he wore Crocs everywhere. I don't care whether it was church or getting on the bus <laughs> or the shower. Uh, Casey felt like them Crocs was perfect for him. He didn't have to bend down and tie his shoes. He just slipped them Crocs on, whether he had slacks on or whether he had basketball shorts on. He put them Crocs on with it. And I used to give him a hard time about it. Now look at me, uh, 20 years later, wearing goddamn Crocs. That's so. not the same pair, is it? Nah, nah, they got all style of Crocs, man. I go, I'm a, I'm a huge Amazon guy. I need to let go of the account. I'm looking at three Crocs. I'm looking at four pair of Crocs right now. So when I pull up to the cigar bar, when I pull up to certain events, you know, that's the first thing people look at, you know, your teeth, your watch, or your shoes, and they see me with these Crocs. <laughs> I'm like, baby, what we doing? <laughs> <laughs> teeth, wa teeth, watch, shoes, Crocs. That's that's for you, the listeners. Uh, bringing this back full circle to AB. <laughs> <laughs> I'd imagine if by this time next year, no NFL team's taking a flyer on him. If he, you know, stays out of trouble and everything. I would not consider the XFL this season for him, but if he's actually serious about getting back into the game, if by this time next season, next year, at this time in 2021, where he really wants to get back into the game, I think that could be an avenue he could pursue. I'll say this. I think now, especially now that we're into the XFL season, not that he wouldn't be able to, but for me, get your mind right, get your body right and everything. Again, We've said this, I feel like, countless number of times here on the Believe in Steelers podcast. You hope he gets back on the field, just given the talent and his ability in, for football fans to be able to see that he's an elite-level receiver. So we hope we get to see that again. Ike, let's take a quick break. Support for today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast comes from Manscaped.com. Manscaped is the company with the best equipment for below-the-belt men's grooming. It's Lawnmower 3.0 Manscaping Trimmer is now available for purchase. It includes the leading cutting-edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. I think we're going to call this segment Horrible Hot Takes. If any of the listeners have suggestions for this segment idea, please feel free to let us know. Los Angeles Chargers linebacker Thomas Davis 
went on the NFL Network and claimed that Ben Roethlisberger chose not to play last season and that he gave up on the team because the roster wasn't amazing. Now, Steelers offensive lineman Zach Banner tweeted and completely shut this down. And he says this, message to all players who go on talk sports, stop selling out for the clickbait thirsty networks and saying anything that comes to mind. This is an idiotic point in the fact that TD has the nerve to question a man's torn throwing elbow is both uneducated and sad. Ike, the floor is yours. He took the words out of my mouth. What I was about to say, Mark, to your question was, don't let these producers battery pack you and get you out your element in the game that you play, knowing what you can and can't do for the likes of that network. That's not helping you. You know, you're you're not getting any points as a person, and really you ain't dealing with facts. So the sad thing about it is, here go another case with no facts. I've been on a few networks. I've been doing TV and radio for a long time. I know exactly how these producers think. They want that one thing that's going to stand out, and they'll try to get you out your element as much as possible. Um, so you'll be a fool to do it. Don't be that guy. Don't be that fool. And Thomas Davis should know better. He's a veteran guy. He's been around a long time. Um, he's been on TV a few times. Uh, to make that statement and not have a fact about it, again, it's, it's, it's sad to see. But at the same time, I know exactly how the producers think. You know, they're looking for that punchline, so say. That's the punchline they're looking for. Don't be that guy. Don't be foolish enough to do it. Um, I know Thomas Davis is better than that, and hopefully he won't make this mistake again. And we've both sat in these editorial meetings. Ike, I've worked in local TV news, so it's not a talk show format opinion base, but I'll sit, you'll sit in these meetings and people throw out story ideas. And especially with TV, it's got to be some sort of talker where there's either two sides or multiple sides. But then also, you know, what's the visual component? What are you actually going to physically show on TV? But it's almost as if you mentioned the producers that they're throwing out subject topic ideas and it's, okay, who, who's willing to say this? And you have to know better than that, especially when you don't know the circumstances. You're talking about a torn ligament in a quarterback's throwing elbow. This isn't like a linebacker who might be able to get away with this injury. He's got to throw the ball nearly every other play. Producers, when it comes down to these meetings, and you know just as well as me, producers, when it comes down to these production meetings, they're always looking for a Batman and a Joker because they feel that's, that's what's going to sell. They feel um, arguing is going to sell. And really, arguing really does. Um, it's hard to watch TV if you can just look at it, both guys agreeing on everything. You know, you got to have some kind of dispute when you're talking. But at the same time, uh, what I figured out, I can be that joker. And it's just like with anything else in life, it ain't what you say, it's how you say it. You know, I figured out, how to critique and criticize guys without throwing them under the bus. I was more gentle with my critique. I was firm, but I was gentle. I always use me when I critique, like this what I did so I get it and I understand how. Like guys gotta start figuring that out, man. If you <laughs> if you if you if you let the producers lead you into that punchline and throw you under the bus, you're going to wind up throwing somebody else under the bus. So you just got to understand the big picture on producers. They're always looking, you know, for that that undisputed, that Batman and Joker kind of atmosphere. Um, I don't mind being the Joker. Um, I'm going to say it in a way where guys don't feel like they're being played, so say. I'm going to say it in a way, and I've got this plenty of times when I was on, on the tube, like, where I appreciate the way you said it. Like, you could have said it in a different way, and they probably would have had me mad at you. But the way you said it, I got it. So um, I figured that out early. So that's what guys got to start understanding. How you want somebody to talk about you if you was to have a bad game? And it's all on the tone and the way you say it. I think you bring up a great point, too. And the Steelers lineman 
Zach Banner also tweeted this too. I came across this clip on social media. I did not watch this clip on live television. And they think, wow, you know, we can get this viral clip going and people can be talking about it. And a lot of times, I'm not trying to throw NFL Network under the bus. This is just the state of the nature in the television broadcast industry right now. Where if they can generate that buzz, that conversation, and they can either get people to go from social media to actually tune into the broadcast or vice versa, if you're watching a broadcast and you see something and then you want to actually interact with the show hosts, that's the state of the industry. And a lot of the times, and this is terrible to say, but these networks don't actually care what the audience is saying. They're just happy that the audience is talking. They don't care of whether you agree with the point or you disagree with the point, but that it's just generating a buzz, generating a conversation. A lot of times that's more so what they care about than the actual contents of the argument, the conversation, or the story. So the, this generation is looking for views. The more views you can have, the better, the more likes. <laughs> That's what this millennial generation is. <laughs> and the network is an old generation, so they're looking for ratings. You know, so the millennials views, the networks, ratings. So, you know, how they get, how you get ratings, how you get people to watch TV since, you know, everybody's going, you know, either you're watching YouTube or your phone, because I find myself not watching TV a lot, or maybe one show. So how you get, oh, I gotta have, I gotta have ratings. How you get ratings? I gotta have somebody say something off the wall to a point where me and you, me and you, Mark, we talking about this right now, you know, especially coming from another player in that same league, so. That's what these guys got to understand, man. Just really, you really stay on TV for a long time just being you. You know, I look at, you know, as annoying as people might say Stephen A. Smith is, that's just Stephen A. Smith, man. He's just him. As jokerish as Skip, a.k.a. Drip Bayless is, that's just, that's Drip Bayless, man. Drip been doing that for a long time. Um, I've grown to find myself to watch Love Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp just, he's just himself. Like, that's just, that's just him. People who get on TV, they, they try to be somebody else or, or they get as robotic as possible and not be themselves. And people who stay on TV for the longest, you know, they just themselves. That's, that's, that's just who they are. They bring something different to the table. And that's what guys got to start to understand, like, you just got to be yourself. For me, I was an off-script guy. Just give me a topic. You know, I don't need a teleprompter. Don't give me nothing to write about. Just give me a topic. I research my notes and I take off. But I was me at the same time. You know, for the most part, guys just got to understand you, you being yourself will keep you more genuine and people, you're a capture more people's attention because people can read, people can read and see through the BS. You know, especially people who are close to you. Like, dang, that's not you, Ike. But at the same time, you know, when I was doing my thing, I think everybody respecting the fact of love, like, bro, the world is getting to see you. You always been that kind of guy. And I say that to anybody who want to get into network and broadcast, just be you. You know, the, the longer you can be you, the more people see you're not fronting and faking. You'll catch the views, you'll catch the ratings, and you'll get paid. The more you come in there and you know, and, and not being you, people can see straight through that. Yeah, and that's including your producers and your bosses. So that's what I say to the to this generation, you know. But getting back to to what you were saying is, you know, ratings for TV is views for the millennials. Yeah, and being genuine and authentic comes across to people. That's immediately evident. And anyone who's trying to get into the broadcast industry. It's really hard at times. Don't try to emulate someone else. Be yourself. That'd be the number one advice I could give to anyone else listening to this. Ike, you mentioned ratings, why ratings matter. Then you can charge advertisers more. And that's still how these networks make the lion's share of their money. They might have an online or digital product, but that is pennies and nickels on the dollar to what a broadcast generates. And that's why the packages for live sports is so important for a lot of these networks because they can draw in an audience there 
and then you get exposed to their products, their, their talk shows, the different formats that they have. They call it the car wash at ESPN. But with all the different platforms that there are, I think it was Colin Cowherd said this a while back, and it kind of stuck with me. On TV, if you want to be really, really successful, the people that are the best at it, yes, they are themselves, but they're also dynamic. On podcasting and radio, I think it's about storytelling. A book, it's about providing insight to people. Instagram, very, very visual medium. Twitter, I think, is where your wit comes through. So you kind of want to be these different things depending on what platform that you are to get your message out there. No, I agree. You know, calling me off the wall with a lot of stuff. You want to talk about a real live joker, attitude, he don't care what you say or think about him. That's Colin, 100%. And that's why he's been so successful for so long because he never changed. He, he's the most probably outspoken guy I know who's on television when it comes to sport. He gonna go against the grain on a lot of ideas and topics where you can be like, dang, this dude is crazy. That's always been Colin. You talking about different perspectives? <laughs> Colin has a lot of different perspectives. You know, he's far from traditional when it comes down to, to talking about sports. So, but that's why he getting paid so much. That's why he been doing it for so long. He ain't never changed. I and mean, that's been my whole point when it comes down, you know, to, to whatever platform you can use yourself on. Don't never change, just be you. Yeah, and I think the more that broadcasters, media personalities, journalists, the better work that they do and the better compensated that they are, the better it is overall for the industry. I'm rooting for everyone to succeed in this industry because it's like, okay, like if this guy can make this much, maybe I can make that much doing this for a living. And I think a lot of times too, what you said about being yourself, Ike, really, really resonates to where there are some times when it's hard to be yourself and be as transparent as possible because it's not within the interests of the network that you're working for and what their goals and objectives are as a business. And it can be really hard to toe that line at times, but the people that can just be themselves are the most successful. You got to look at it like you always auditioning. Even if you're with the network, you got to look at it mentally. I'm always additional so the world and other networks can see me. So maybe my style might not fit this network, but goddamn, this audition about to be good. And these other networks about to see it. And they might, one of the boss men or CEOs might be like, hey man, this guy can fit with us. We can rock with him. So that's how it is. But the more you're yourself, you just gotta think about it with the word I just used. We always auditioning, you know? So just because it don't work with you and that network doesn't mean it's not gonna work with anybody else. It's what have you done for me lately? And one other thing too with Colin, I know some people love him, some people hate him. For him to do both TV and radio simultaneously, it's hard to do one well, let alone both at the same time. Kudos to him because he's able to do that every single day and to make it interesting. I think radio and podcasting lends itself to a little bit longer form. TV, you've got to keep it tight. You've got to keep it scripted. The analogy that I'd almost make for the listeners is this. Radio and podcasting is more like improv jazz. We'll take notes. We'll do prep for the show, but we're going to go back and forth. We'll have talking points and research, but it's not fully scripted. TV, it's almost like a play. You're literally putting on makeup and you know what you're going to say. You know what your counterpart's going to say. It's a performance. Yeah. TV is TV. You have to be fluent in TV. You got to get in a rhythm in TV. You have to hit facts in a minute 30 in TV. You got to capture audience in a minute 30 in TV. You got to be strong at your points in TV. You have to be decisive. You, for the most part, it got to be factual. 
because people will call you out who are not on TV. So with TV, one, it's all facts. Two, you got to be genuine and strong what and how you say it. Four, you got to be you. And you got to do it in a short amount of time. You know, like you say with this podcast, we can go on for four or five hours time if time allows. Uh, between commercials, sponsors, and all that kind of stuff on TV, you ain't got that kind of time. So the guys who've been doing it for so long, they get it. Like, I got to say, I got to say something that's going to capture and hold your attention for at least a minute 30. That's how it is in TV, man. TV is, we doing a movie. And TV, read your script, and we doing this movie. Podcasts and radio, it's kind of battle rapping. Give me a topic, and let's see who can rap the best. Let's see who can sound the best. Let's see who can see who can do the metaphors the best. TV, it's a real live movie. You know, you got to know your script. and You got to know what you're going to say, when you're going to say it. And you can't get off script because the producer in that ear going to be like, man, hold on. This ain't what we did in a production meeting. I'm talking about a production meeting. And you probably won't come back the next day. So, because they got to be on tune with the camera guys. So every topic, every topic has a camera angle and has a visual for the people to see. You get off script with that, it ain't going to be right. It ain't going to look right. And producers, they're not going to look bad at all. So TV is totally different. TV is the movies, uh, podcasts and radio. It's battle rap. And I wish some of the listeners could see the TV studio to see some of the different shots. Some of the shots will have teleprompters. The reporters out in the field that don't have that to where they actually have to know all of their stuff. And I always found that it was more beneficial for me to have a few bullet points of what I was going to be talking about, but just to let it flow and to be natural versus to have verbatim word for word what this script is going to be. At the same time, you have to make sure you really, really know your stuff because if you say something wrong, you're going to start getting phone calls from people that are going to call into the station that'll have it out for you. And sometimes rightfully so. The reporters out in the field that have to do that every single day with their stand-ups and previewing their stories or their live hits, those are the ones that are, to me, are the most valuable to TV networks. I'm doing my resume right now in my portfolio. Once people <laughs> really see what the hell I did, when I was an active player, I had a radio show called Trib Live Radio Show with John Harris. When I was an active player in the offseason, Pittsburgh had an arena team called Pittsburgh Power. I was a broadcaster commentator with John Harris. <laughs> As I was playing, you know, I took the car washes to ESPN, NFL Network, I did a Fox, I did all that. Then I come back with my own radio show for about six more years. Um, then I wind up getting a job with NFL Network. Um, it had to come to an end over a few things, and I get it. It's sad, but I get it. But at the same time, man, I've been doing this. Like my cousin was telling me, he was like, bro, you've been doing this stuff since 2006. Bro, it's 2020. Like, And I, I would like, this what he's telling me, I would like for you to put this on your portfolio and your resume because people need to see and understand all the stuff you did. Like, this just not overnight. Like, you finally groomed and got into a rhythm on what you can and can't do. To this day, we're still doing it. I mean, me and, me and you only knowing each other, you know, for a couple of months, and we just hitting a groove. Like, it's, it's like it's, it's, if you didn't know no better, you thought we known each other, you thought we came up with each other. If you didn't know us, how we talk on this podcast, but that's just what it is, man. You got two professionals putting the pride aside, understand we need to get this work done, try to be as insightful, insightful as possible to make this podcast work. And we just getting started. Um, the, the Believe podcast just getting started. You and I as a relationship, when it comes down to doing podcasts, we just getting started. And I think the future is bright for the both of us. It's like riding a bike, but it's like a craft. It's you're always striving towards that perfection and it's that pursuit of that really more so than the end result. And if any of you have questions for us in terms of about the broadcast industry or anything like that, if any of the listeners do, 
as always, I will leave our social media information in the show notes so you can reach out to us. It's a grind and it's a small industry too. Once you're in, whether you might not know everyone in the industry, but the odds are that mutually you'll both know someone together in this industry. It's crazy what really a small world it is once you have your foot in the door. I mean, it's like being in professional sports. It's like getting drafted and being in the league. It's a small circle and it's hard to get in. But once you win, you win, you know? And like you said, you're gonna run across the same people at every event, every occasion. And that's how you build bonds and relationships. So only the people who do broadcasting understand what goes behind the scenes, understands what it takes. For a viewer, they wouldn't have a clue what it takes. And usually it's the people that you don't see on TV that has to do the most. You know, the guys you get the you get your stats and your facts from. They doing a lot of research. Your camera guys, they gotta be on cue with you and what you're saying. So you gotta go from camera one to camera three. Then after that, you gotta get your production crew in the back. They gotta be on point with you saying. So whatever you're saying, they gotta put a, a clip up so the so the viewer can see exactly his point. Then you got the guys who talking on TV, you got the producer saying, like you got 25 seconds left, 24, 23, 22, and you can't miss a beat on what you're saying while the producers are talking in your ear. Like people just don't get what it, what you got to do and what it takes to make every segment look perfect on TV. It's a team effort. 100%. Ike, we're wrapping up the show here. Free agency, one month away to the day, 4 p.m. Eastern time on March 18th. So that's something we're going to keep an eye on too. Combine's coming up. The draft is coming up. So we will have a lot to get to. Guests, we're starting to line up for the show too. I'm excited. I'm also excited for the listeners. But thank you so much to the listeners for taking the time to interact with us, to listen to the show, please rate, review, and subscribe to the Believe in Steelers podcasts. We love your feedback. If you leave us five-star reviews, if you reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, we're happy to bring you into the show. We absolutely love that. So please reach out to us. I want to piggyback off of Mark. Appreciate everybody just listening. I appreciate the sponsors for sponsoring, you know, the Believe in Steelers podcast with Mark and I. Keep tuning in. Like I said, this podcast is just getting started. The more you tune in, the more insightful we will be, the more genuine we will be. And you're going to like and learn a lot from what we're saying. So want to just appreciate everybody again, man, the viewers and the sponsors for tuning in to the Believe in Podcast show with Mark and I. For Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thanks for listening to the Believe in Steelers podcast. We'll see you next week. So long, everybody. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.